Welcome to Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks, a podcast that discusses the improvement of physician engagement and physician documentation habits by focusing on the core aspects of clinical documentation integrity. Here is the creator and founder of Core CDI, the co-founder of Top Gun Audit School, and your host of this podcast, Glenn Krause. Hello, this is Glenn Krause from Top Gun Audit School uh, and Core CDI. I have the privilege today of having, as part of Wiser Wednesday, Kush Singh. He's a subject matter expert in uh, HCCs and risk adjustment scores and so forth and, and risk adjustment as it stands. So I want to turn it over to Kush so he can kind of give us an overview of his uh, long, uh, uh, long career in risk adjustment. Kush? Thank you, Glenn, for the introduction. I'm glad to be here talking with another subject matter expert in, in the risk adjustment HCC environment. Uh, uh, tell us a little about your background. What's your? Uh, if you, uh, how long have you been in this uh, in this space, and what are you doing now? Yeah, I am clinician by training. I went to school, medical school in India, and got board certified there, and also got board certified over here, mm-hmm. uh, passing all those you know foreign medical graduates examination and getting a part of that process. But eventually, you know. To me, it was like, I want to enter into the managed care world. And I did my master's in health administration early on, kind of figured out my way that Affordable Care Act and the way the system is now getting up to is more managed care role. So my reading at that time was right, and I wanted to really enter into uh, a program where I could learn more and at the same time build my networks and be part of the health plans. And so I did. And I entered the area of managed care market, and coding was natural to me as I was already running clinical trials and a lot of data in clinical trials is health information management. A lot of clinical data pieces are ICD-driven, CPT-driven, so I was very familiar with all of those. But when managed care appeared on the risk adjustment side and how this all revenue model comes in, that was so fascinating to me. I kept diving into it, and I did my certifications, learned a lot on the job. And then I tried to go outside of my day job to also consult. And here I am. I'm a full-time consultant in this space. I work on a variety of projects, work with health plans, provider groups, you name it. Anything that touches risk adjustment, I have my uh, piece into it. I've learned a lot over the years and I'm happy to share more. Oh, that's great. So I really appreciate you being here. Let's jump right in. I met Kush because uh, I, I post a lot on LinkedIn, and he reached out to me, and we started talking. And so I, I invited him to the Wiser Wednesdays because he has a lot to, to offer. So what I like to do is to kind of go over a couple of uh, ideas or questions, if you will. And the first one, uh, Kush, is this. We know that HCCs and RAPs are the mainstay of the Medicare Advantage program, and we know how it works and the risk adjustment and uh, uh, per member per month based on sickness uh, and risk adjustment factor scores, which are calculated based on HCCs reported uh, every year for the following year. So we, so it goes from what January 1st to December 31st. Uh, and it's a big push towards the end of the year to make sure we haven't missed any HCCs. So we all have seen the OIG investigations and DOG suits 
DOJ suits against the MA plans for misrepresenting HCCs and RAF scores as well as providers. The latest was Kaiser, who, play, who paid what? Was that $29 million or $26 million? Something along those lines? Well, uh, I think... Well, I think Kaiser is still open. Uh, I think you're referring to Sutter. Sutter has. Oh, Sutter. Okay, yeah. Excuse me. But right. Sorry about that. Yes. Uh, with hefty settlement for knowingly submitting encounters. Thank you for pointing me in the right direction and keeping me straight. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on potential contributing factors to these occurrences? Is it overzealous coders? Is it maybe coders not uh, not understanding the coding rules governing secondary diagnosis? Is it an attempt to game the system, uh, uh, the MA plans? What are you thinking? Well, the way I look at this industry right now, because it's a business of healthcare, mm -hmm. um, there are reasons MA plans have gained a certain market share. And at right. the same time, they're there to also help the patients. And doctors have a pledge to help their patients, but they also have a business to run. So not necessarily saying everybody is gaming the system, but there is some gaming. That is for sure. Otherwise, DOJ would not be coming in the way they have recently appeared to be. Just because there are people who reported uh, what Kaiser was doing wrong, what Sutter was doing wrong, what Independence Health was doing wrong, and many more other things would be you know, uh, visible. The, the, the area of concern over here is what DOJ mm -hmm. actually points out to their study and the reports that they have sent out to CMS and the MedPAC is basically concerning that the entities are gaming the system by depositing a lot of FCC data to show that the patients are sicker. In one of the reports, OIG says, well, the patient never saw the doctor, hence the company, MA Plan, sent a doctor to the house and yeah, got yeah, all the Yeah, yeah, what do you call it? Uh, health risk home assessment. assessment? Yeah. Yeah, health risk assessment. So, and that is quite fascinating because I saw it early on when and during my time in the health plan, and mm -hmm. I don't want to name any, but it was yes. being done. And I had my concerns about that. I was like, there are good concerns and there are you know, other concerns like why can't we just bring these patients into the primary care office and why don't we why don't we have to hire a third party to do it? Why can't a plan nurse go out and take care of the patients? But it turns out to be there is a business case for it, that you invest some amount of money and you get this data, it pays for itself. And it covers the risk because the health plan says, Well, we are at risk right now. We are covering somebody. What if these number of hospitalizations come in and we are going to lose our profit. We need to tell CMS the right risk core that we are managing. Well, that's good. We understand yeah. that. Yeah, but DOJ says, yeah, OIG says a whole different thing. And in the report, they say it's like, you know, $5 billion extra or 9.2 was, you know, basically paid out to 20 MA plans altogether and half of more than half of it is inappropriate. I mean, that's a story, right? Oh, it, it is, really. It, that is when the government thinks it's a game. Somebody's gaming the system. I particularly just want to emphasize the point if that the patient is that sicker, what are you doing to manage him, to keep him away, make him feel better? Where is the quality of care? Is it just in theory? 
is it just putting all these codes about i as a provider was able to do all the preventive visits whereas after the preventive visit was done and all those data was reported the patient landed up in the hospital in 2 weeks where is any check or balance on that but the system says in theory i have managed and i have shown a better quality of care now the other side of the thing is you see at these coding changes that are coming in saying oh now all of a sudden everybody is major depressive disorder as if there was no regular depression or dysthymia or depressive episode yeah, it's a, it's or somebody was just having yeah yeah so all of a sudden just because somebody gets a focus of saying oh mild depression is equal to mild major depressive disorder i'm like okay there is a clinical distinction between these two things during covid people got depressed sitting at home yeah that doesn't mean that they were major depressive disorder that's right. right all of a sudden the data gets screwed up and saying 60% of the health plan senior population is now major depressive disorder as if they're going to commit suicide or they're going to harm themselves or god knows what the data is showing i mean i don't have any insight onto the medicare advantage data but that was concerning to the icd10 committee so you look at their recommendation saying oh you know put out a new code that actually says dysthymia or depressive disorder that is not major depressive disorder and because people are just over reporting all of this and this is concerning to the american association of psychiatrists and and dsm5 criteria have been misinterpreted and just just an example because over reporting leads to bad data the bad data will basically portray a picture that senior population in united states is very depressive and there will be papers later on based on that data and that screws up the whole thing people are not like that because it's being reported as an hcc to get the value of care reimbursed that's right i would say expense of care reimbursed and show certain quality but in reality you see how many patients are older but still healthier it's not that 60% of the population is sicker and sicker and as shown in the medicare advantage data because cms knows on the fifa service side historically the data has not been like this and why is this not gaming or something else tell me that's when doj comes in and says okay there are some bad actors they have some reports people are saying there is money involved and the money is big and kaiser was doing certain things and so were other health plans doing some other things it this appears to be gaming now the the question that you had earlier glen was about coders did the coders learn to do it well in some places they just took guidance from other senior coders or their executives or misinterpretation of guidelines because essentially fifa service world never cared about how many diagnoses were put on to the claim they were just seen in an office there was an urgency to see there was a medical condition they managed in icd9 and based on that if there were certain severity of or exacerbation of certain conditions they were reported as complications but when icd10 comes in and the scc environment comes in all of this is monetized now all of a sudden you see this effect that if providers are able to understand the coding nuances which they don't learn in medical school they have to rely on the coders and if 
the business side of RCM is going to look at better codes because of reimbursement reasons or value they bring in by depositing more codes. There is a distinction that we always see, you and I see in the documentation, because Mm -hmm. it's the same as DRG validation, right? Yep. So hence, there is a big disconnect because providers completely do not understand the coding. Coding has to begin after the provider has written the documentation. Mm-hmm. It should not begin by saying, I'm going to identify an HCC condition today. Hence, I am, my patient is this HCC, and now I'm going to write about it. Oh, I you don't know, think so. Yeah, one, one thing I want to just add, if I can, uh, Kush, is that uh, we have these new, uh, these relatively new outpatient CDI programs, and they're the in, outpatient version of inpatient. In the inpatient, we're looking for CCs and MCCs, and the outpatient, we're looking for CCs and HCCs excuse me, HCCs, and uh, so the doctor will open up the encounter. It's been reviewed by a nurse a day or two before, and there's notes uh, uh, in the, uh, on, the, the, on the account uh, as part of the opening up of the account, or they send him an email. Here's a diagnosis that we think you're missing. Please evaluate. Okay, so a lot of the doctors in a hurry, particularly today with the high acuity patients following up from COVID and and just the hurried nature of medicine, they'll just write down diagnosis to get to uh, to get to relieve the burden. Uh, I've seen that all the time. Yeah, and and that is what is happening is because providers have a tendency to believe what is the business side of the equation telling them yeah. because there are some contracts, because there are some incentives. There is a business side of this thing, but they also know patient care. But all of a sudden, now if somebody tells them, hey, doc, don't write depression, write major depression, and the doc says, well, one's the same thing. All right, I'll do it. If he thinks, starts thinking that way, then the data gets skewed. That's right. If, if you know, he understands, yeah, if you, if, if it, he might not be doing it intentionally, but now yeah. he has been coached upon doing it. Hence, the doc is believing what is being told because somebody decided to print it on a paper and put it in front it's of the, the doctor. And the doctor is yeah. the same thing, it's like a, it's a book. Now, you have yeah. to understand that given limited time, that example that you gave it, they believe that paper is true all the time. Yeah, yeah. If you see something uh, in print, you say, oh, it's coming from this source must be right. That's okay, right. It's, that's what the problem is because just, there is so much... Yeah. They check it off the box, check, you know, use a drop-down menu, put it in there, off to my next patient. You know, it's almost the same yeah. thing, Kush, as uh, inpatient, all these denials for clinical validation denials for sepsis. Doctors want to avoid the queries so they be conditioned to write sepsis when the patient has a change, change in mental status with acute metabolic encephalopathy. Uh, when the, here comes the payers. One of my colleagues, Dr. Jake Martin, close friend and colleague uh, working with him in CDI since 1997 says it's like the T-ball system when I was growing up. You know, you put the ball in there, you like sit on the the stand and you hit the ball out of the park, you know. Uh, We're doing the same thing for payers. We're setting or teeing up the system so they can deny it. Exactly. And I think the clinical validation piece similar to inpatient is going to also hit the outpatient because not everything is an HCC. It does, not every clinical validation uh, can be produced in outpatient. I'll give you an example. If it, yeah. In acute MI, 
acute mm-hmm. DVT is being reported out of an outpatient clinic, yeah. I mean, you've got to really worry about your documentation at that point because not only that, that you're saying the person has that condition, you are trying to ask for more money. And if your contract says you have a certain obligation to report accurately and by mistake, if you wrote those things and and your system basically picked up and without any checking your documentation they sent it, you received the money. You are not under obligation to basically ensure that what you said was right. And that's why this obligation under False Claims Act comes in, I believe, is, is huge. Every provider should understand that before they drop an FCC code, are they going to substantiate if an audit hits or somebody else comes and say, you have been diagnosing wrong or you do not substantiate your record? And that's what I do is basically going out and telling that your data does not show this. You should be very careful with your documentation. Let me help you not get in trouble. That's the piece that I think my mission overall matches to anybody else in clinical documentation integrity field is like, tell them every time there is not an SCC. And if you're reporting an SCC because you think you're doing your best in value-based care environment and you are a primary care doc or a specialist, there are other people who were actually going to treat that patient and they take upon themselves on diagnosing and treatment and maintenance of that patient. A CHF can be handled by a primary care doc or if it's an advanced CHF, it can be handled by a cardiologist. So there are certain pieces to it where if one person is responsible, other person should let him be responsible for it. Do not try to over overcode it and say the patient has this condition. I've seen numerous charts in which one entity says the patient has prostate cancer, whereas the oncologist a year ago wrote prostatectomy done and there's no is believed leads were left and there's no active treatment. I mean, next year onwards, the person doesn't have prostate cancer in theory. But the primary care doc completely is unaware of these things, and he still says prostate cancer and puts yeah, on a claim. It, it comes from copy and paste, you know. That's the that's a danger. Oh, that that's copy, a copy, 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 edit, review, paste, drop the bill. You know, and one thing, Kush, that I'm concerned about, a physician should be concerned about, is at the bottom at the on the HICFA, uh, 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 1500. There's a space with electronic signature that says that uh, he certifies the bill is accurate and supported by documentation. So they are, yeah. it's, it's to their best interest because their you their uh, NPI number is sacred. It's almost like a it's almost like a uh, uh, over the road trucker without a uh, 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 without a CDL license you're out of business. Without an NPI number you're out of business. That is true, and that's why I am very concerned about my colleagues in this space, especially the doctors, mid-levels, everybody who's taking care of the patients. It's like, don't be misguided by these, whosoever is making a business case around it. Be very careful, because eventually it's your NPI number that is going to be on a claim. They're going to come after you, and they're going to follow the money who is getting it. Because this environment is as tricky as what other sections of fraud based and abuse are mm-hmm. inpatient environment, DRG validation, clinical validation. If there is a bigger scheme going on, which 
anybody may not be aware of because they're so embedded in their patient care, they might get sucked up into something different. And that is where my concern is for the industry because I don't want physicians to be labeled as being fraudsters. No way. No. They have a very noble cause. They, they do a lot of stuff for the patients. And it is, it is not something that they would ever dream of doing. There are some bad actors. I oh, know. yeah, you read about them, the OIGs. You know, the OIG sends out the newsletters just about every day now, and there's always some type of uh, fraudulent uh, signing or signing uh, certificates of We're medical necessity for yeah. DME or, or yeah. uh, home health us out evaluating the patient or uh, uh, signing yeah. a name to labs for uh, labs that were on order that needed or doing surgeries exactly. that were... Uh, not medically alleged to be not medically necessary. So there's going to be some. Every industry has some bad apples. But just far from a physician standpoint, the, the, the numbers are pale in comparison to their honest ones. Yeah, and and just recently, I I was asked to review a certain number of uh, charts at a practice as a part of my consulting agreement, and they just simply said, we were doing as we're told. And I'm like, wow, this wasn't something I have seen ever before. Just because you have to tell them the other side of the story, what the, what all they can be responsible for, all of a sudden, the game changes. And I really want to, you know, here's the prayer for the docs and everybody who's in this environment, be very careful. It's it's not that easy to establish, like as you think an FCC is. Not every patient is a depression patient. Not every uh, leg swelling and everything is an acute or chronic DBT. And if it is, make sure you write it. Your coder should pick up. Do not get fascinated by saying HCC is, I'm the HCC guru and I know now I attended five lectures and I trust my system and I have this piece of paper and a cheat sheet to follow. Whenever I hear the word cheat sheet, that makes me nervous. That makes me nervous because if you're picking up a selective diagnosis to begin with, where is your actual patient care? You describe what you actually see in a patient. The coders will take care of the rest. You do what you have done for that day. You have your medical decision-making. You had your diabetes complicated by CHF, complicated by peripheral artery disease if you think it's there. And just treat your patient the way you want it to. Let the documentation show what you did. Don't worry about the code. And the code will be picked up. If there is right. an issue, your good, your good coder will code it out or ask for clarification, do your patient care, don't worry about the coding. And here's the other piece I would say, yeah. is just because it appears to be that easy, it ain't. And people have to accept that fact. It is, again, a responsibility of the physician for taking care of the patient not to code higher to get more reimbursement. No, and right. just because it becomes so I was having a call with a CMO friend of mine, and they are seeing some things very, very differently now after these all cases emerged. And he just said, Kush, this is all very spooky. I fear anything like Kaiser can can come to our institution or uh, and the people. And a couple of compliance officers that I spoke recently, they just want to engage and make sure that they have placed an audit. They have features that... Uh, 
check and balances appear and the bad coders also learn the good way of coding because as we know not all coders are equally qualified and there are some people that are miscoding other coders so you know this this is where it it it, it is a very complex area and just as to say i was in conversation with another doc i said is hyperlipidemia as a complication of diabetes he says no it can be associated with and i said can we check with the endocrinologist and he says yeah so we called up endocrinologist he says no there is a feature of metabolic x syndrome in even to details and say diabetes up to a certain ex, you know uncontrolled very high hbavc shows dyslipidemia uh, hypercholesterolemia and those patients are very very complex patients you don't ever say that diabetes causes hyper uh, cholesterolemia i said that's what i learned in in uh, my medical school where i went to and so did others so i kept inquiring out of like number 11 or 12 the doctors in my circle everybody said no it is not causing it it's associated with and then an endocrinologist also you know sealed the deal but the thing is if the coders start coding hyperlipidemia as a complication of diabetes i'm like no that isn't hyperlipidemia you know could have been in that patient before is dietary it, habits alcohol habits right. and all that yeah and one thing that i i think uh, which leads us to our second question or second discussion here and last one is uh i think i think really uh would you say if the providers really focused on the standards of documentation and i believe that new enm guidelines for outpatient office setting medical decision making drive an enm assignment and forget this the enm assignment and medically appropriate history and physical and and focus really focusing on capturing your clinical judgment and medical decision making in the form of assessment and plan of care we wouldn't have this issues or we have a lot less issues uh uh allegations of overcoding hccs what are your thoughts on that no you're right this this new guidelines are actually um organically helping risk adjustment piece if the patient is complicated if you're doing all what is necessary for that patient on that encounter that is very necessary for the provider at that time to address all of it and show in the documentation that i considered all of this now it doesn't mean that all the problem list can should be dropped in the assessment plan no, but whatever not. is exactly so for example a patient came in for a cough and cold it's a flu season and they fear they have covid and if you start documenting everything else and say okay i'm going to put out all the possible risk scores onto this because this is my only patient in visit okay this can be partly correct and partly not correct because you have to support everything that you know about that patient what if the patient is no longer going to the oncologist you're not treating the prostate cancer or the breast cancer either you incorporate the record or if the patient was going there anyway to the oncologist for treatment and care they'll be putting their code by themselves so just be very careful that you are collaborating the most recent accurate specialist record you're not just looking at an x-ray and say 
oh, this person has atherosclerosis or this and that, and this is an important finding. What is that related to the patient care today? What takes into account to the level of care you provided? So don't get sucked up into this kind of saying, I found atherosclerosis in the chest X-ray last year. I'm going to write about this year again. Where is that a part of your addressing that medical condition right. today? The person came in for a flu, right? Yeah. Uh, so if we were to overcode and oversuggest to, to these nuances, you will screw up the data, and the HCC value may not remain the same. Another release or statistical analysis will say, well, let's drop all these values down. Let's take out these wrong things out of the HCC categories. This is no longer an HCC condition. Secondary hypercoagulable state is already out of, you know, I think it's already out of the CCMCC list. You know, these are all other novel concepts around getting at code. And to the first thing that we talked about, the in-home assessment. There is a new provider who went in to the patient's house, saw a bunch of medications, and said, oh, you're taking this for? I have hypercholesterolemia. Doctor gave me statin for that. This is metformin for diabetes. And they start writing based on the medication was present in the house. But what are the facts around it? Maybe the patient was taking metformin uh, just for a temporary time and his now diet-controlled diabetic type 2, no longer has the complicated diabetes code, or was the physical exam done that day to say neuropathy is present in all four limbs, so demonstrate that. But if you're going to go and say, these medications are present and this is the condition it's associated with, and I'm going to report in my record, and I'm going to push it, that is the area of concern for me, because that provider just went in there one day, he had an assignment to finish, he went in and did all that complete documentation to help the health plan. And it is quite possible that all of that, what is being reported is not right, because you have a tendency to believe what the medication is present and what the patient said. And same as with the audio video visit that was approved for Medicare risk adjustment. So you and I know diabetic retinopathy cannot be diagnosed over an audio-video visit. Neither a COPD can. A new provider saying to the patient, what do you take medications for? Well, this is my inhaler. I take it occasionally. This could be exercise-induced asthma. or this That's could right. Be that's, not, that's, that's not necessarily COPD. So, it's not just COPD, but patient-stated things, and somebody who is doing this visit for purpose of risk adjustment saying, I'm going to put two and two together. Last year it was reported as J449 COPD. Hence, this is COPD again. I'm going to yeah, just, it. Yeah, it gets perpetuated, you know, you, and you got, these companies, exactly. com- you got these companies going out and doing contract work for the payers, you know, the, the plans, and they're, they're scouring the record like uh, looking for uh, uh, eggs on the, what? Uh, Easter, Easter, Easter egg hunt, and they find them, put them in there, uh, but they don't need them, you know, they don't meet the definition of meat, you know, manner, evaluate, assess, or treat, and that's that's yeah. something, and that's something that's kind of ill-defined. I've, I think I told you, I asked about ten people in a conference, how do you define meat? I got ten different answers, but none of them made any sense. <laughs> 
uh, there's no yeah. standard. There's no standardization. So I think that's why the coding clinic in October put that uh, 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 that reinforcement that just because it's in a problem list doesn't mean it's codable. It has to be. Yeah. Uh, it has to be yeah. evaluated or, or relevant. Exactly. That, that really goes back to you know in closing here. I, I think you and I discussed this before. If we focus on the teaching the physician or the resident uh, or the attendings or or the physician uh, assistant or the NP, uh, uh, the standards of documentation, which I believe are the E&M guidelines, not from a coding perspective, um, chief complaint, a medically appropriate history and physical. We have uh, a medically appropriate history with at least four elements of a history of present illness to best at least four to, to describe, tell, reflect, and, and uh, paint, uh, depict the pictures, the patient's acuity, if it's a problem-focused visit, uh, was a follow-up visit, why am I seeing the patient, What are? why did I see him earlier, what are the chronic diagnoses, whether the diagnose, you know, is it stable, is it at, is that, is it at goal, like diabetes, or is it stable, or is it worsening? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what am I doing about it? That that helps with the meat, because you you told us this is what I'm thinking. This is stable. I'm going to continue the meds, so or I'm going to add this med because it's not that diabetes A1C is nine, and I'm going to order a nutritional yeah. consult, some education right. for the patient because they go they go to the they go to the fairs in the summer and have all the cotton candy and junk you can eat uh, and have hypertension. And I put on more salt and I eat a bunch of pork with uh, pork rinds and everything. Okay, that uh -huh. was that's what I call um, meets the meat. You can't really define meat. It's really going back to the standards. What's the doctor doing about it? What's the significance? Right, and the meat. And the meat standard was actually produced for the coders to actually look for what was the doctor doing, monitoring, did he evaluate, did he assess, did he treat, a plan of care and all. But it went around saying the doctors could write meat accordingly. And here's my trouble with it. And I saw it so many documentation. Yeah. It's like provider thought this patient has this condition and was still suspected condition, wasn't confirmed. So they ordered the test. They thought the meat component of treatment assessment was run. And actually, that condition was not substantiated because it's not a confirmed diagnosis. So here's the trouble. You taught something is interpreted the other way around, and there is a quite possibility that many providers are doing it such way that they think they, they did, did everything in order to fulfill the documentation need, but it isn't what it should be because Section 4 of the Outpatient guidelines say it's suspected condition cannot be coded. It has to be confirmed. It's not an inpatient environment. There is a big difference. And some of the coders even don't remember this part. I'm surprised uh, during a, a recent conference. But here's the other problem that I'm also seeing is, just for example, I had a conversation with a doctor who said, my patient is now well-controlled, doesn't even have diabetes anymore does not even take metformin anymore. HPA1C is perfect. He managed his body weight and diet. And should I say diabetes cured? I was like, your medical judgment, you very well yeah. can if you believe so, right? It might be uh, transitory. We can't, we can't, he was able to fix it. We can't lead the physician. It's the physician's right? clinical judgment. And he says, well, I don't want to co-diabetes 
uncomplicated anymore because in his opinion this was not diabetic anymore and there were a couple of the doctors in the room that said well no 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 what if he starts eating again it breaks his habit uh you know eating junk food and all this it will come back i'm like okay listen guys i'm not going to get into this part of who no, no, actually you eating you're food not the, you're not but if not the physician right so if the one physician says i think this person has no longer diabetes he is free to write that other patients other physicians say no he has still diabetes it come back so diabetes is never cured okay they believe so but there is no code for diabetes in remission we don't have it actually no. so you can, you can have a history of code a generic garbage can history code right so it's up to the doctor how he wants to write it. and the same with the major depression they said the major depression now in remission because if he stops taking this medication he'll have this depressive symptoms and i'm like okay what if it was not major depression from the beginning because if you really see a major depression clinical case which i've seen a few those are really extreme cases saying a cause of other medication or side effect of other medication being taken for another condition adds up to the symptom then dsm doesn't say that that this is exclusively major depressive disorder there is this distinction saying the patient has it no longer has depression and now it's major depression in remission is questionable here's where they need to actually assess their clinical criteria this is not as clear as saying somebody had a mi and now is treated is not mi anymore there is no clear line but if you are thinking what the patient has and you're comfortable coding it that way it's upon yourself be very careful when you're writing about a code because if your medical judgment is skewed in in light of this reimbursement benefits that the practice gets then you be very very compliant with what you're reporting because then the money is coming for that reporting and you are responsible for taking that money Absolutely. Well, this has been quite enlightening. You know that, uh, Kush. Any final, any final words uh, of wisdom here? Oh well, I would say, doctors be doctors. Don't worry about the business. You know, if if your model depends upon earning more because you see more patients, yes, I am very passionate about helping patients and doctors. So, I would help the way you know the data guides me to help. those individuals in managed care and that's what i pledge to myself and i think all of our clinicians in this uh in this us healthcare managed care system have a responsibility is to fight the fraud based and abuse and we should be all doing it absolutely and i want to i want to close by saying uh uh focus on the documentation focus on the patient care and the communication of that patient care uh uh and and what work did i perform what's the diagnosis what are the chronic conditions that are impacting the management of the acute conditions or interacting with the let's say diabetes and uh, overweight or bmi with overweight uh and any social determinants of health uh that's the way to capture hccs you won't get in you will alleviate a lot of the risks 
of, uh, uh, just like the inpatient with the CCs and MCCs, it all goes back to clinical truth in the record. So, uh, Kush, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, folks, there's a whole litany of Wise on Wednesdays on wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, wherever. Uh, please check them out. There's, I think this is going to be the 27th Wise on Wednesday. Uh, and I have a lot of resources on uh, core-cdi.com. And I'm also a co-founder of Top Gun. Please check out the website. We have uh, CDI Gold, uh, a show. We just had one uh, on the, yeah, just yesterday, Thursday the 30th, on engaging physicians. So please consider joining Top Gun. And Kush, thank you very much for your time. I was glad that we connected on uh, uh, LinkedIn. And let's keep the conversation going. Everyone? Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Good luck with your uh, documentation. Bye.